really, really overjoyed and so stoked to be interviewing the one and only Father James Mellon. Father James, thanks for joining us on the journey. Jude, it's great to be here. Father James, in 2014, you wrote a book called Divine Renovation. You now find yourself in high demand right around the world all the time, going to conferences, people wanting a piece of you. What has happened between 2014 and 2022 that finds you sitting in a place in Australia with hundreds of people, a sell-out conference, just wanting to know what Divine Renovation can do to bring renewal to the church? What's been that snapshot of that journey? I know you could answer that question in a long time, but what's the snapshot of that journey for you? Think of the words of St. Paul who says, you know, blessed be God who can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And that would certainly apply to what's happened since the book was written, published in 2014. I mean, I didn't even know if, if anyone would even read that book. It was inside and I had to get it out. I'd been giving talks at different conferences and an editor approached me to publish a, a number of small books. And I, I said yes. And then I, I was praying about it and I thought, you know, I think I need to do one big, bigger book. I need to kind of reflect, pray about this and kind of a look at it in a kind of a systematic way because I believe that as people of faith, the reason we do what we do in churches, whether Catholic or non-Catholic, whatever, is, is deep down we, we really believe that's what we're supposed to do. And the reason we think that's what we're supposed to do is there's, a, there's often an operational theology that will shape what we do. So anyway, the book kind of got into that. I got it out of my system. I thought, that's good. Uh, that's done. And then people started to read the book and started to call us. And it became quite overwhelming because at the time I was pastoring a, the largest church in my province. And we weren't claiming to have, you know, arrived at being missional. That is like primarily outward focused, you know, to make disciples and to, and to reach the poor. And we, we were still struggling. We, we were only, you know, one third of the way through the journey. But people started calling us. I used to say to our team, you know, if you've got a plate of, fr- what do you call fr- French fries over here? You call them chips? chips yeah. You've got a plate, plate of chips and someone wants, one person wants one chip, that's no problem. I mean, maybe if three people want a chip, that's no problem. But if a thousand people want four chips, then we've got a problem because how do we continue to pass through this church and help in a sustainable way? So that's where we thought, well, we'll do a conference and maybe after the conference, people will leave us alone. And uh, we didn't know if anyone would come. I mean, we were just this church in Atlantic Canada and 600... You, you, you were at that... Com- no, 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 you were at the... the, the two, two years later, you were at that one. Office, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that even that first year, like 30 Aussies came and mm. people from 14 countries. And after that, we sensed God calling us to start a ministry, which was like one and a half staff members in the basement of St. Benedict. And, and God has just opened doors. I mean, uh, it's... We now, I think, have about 55 staff around the world. We work in 75 countries. We've got international offices. We're completely donor-funded, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, we said, Lord, you can you can grow this thing as big as you want or you can shrink it down, you know. And so I think ultimately we hit a nerve, you know, and we very quickly, the Lord had already been working in the hearts of pastors and lay leaders all around the world who had the same itch, who had the same discontent. And so part of what we do as a ministry is we exist to and inspire and equip parish leaders, but also to connect because we're going to learn from each other. It's not about, you know, one church have somehow having all these answers. No, I think we've discovered a framework, uh, core principles that if you lean into them, they make the difference. So Father James, the book is, and Divine Renovation, you know, without you know, to oversimplify it, is, is based on three, three keys, three essential keys. Do you want to Give us a quick summary of what they're all about for our listeners, because there'll be a lot of people that are hearing this for the first time. You know, whenever you you uh, 
communicate something, you have to simplify it and, you know, take, take a book and say, well, what's ultimately essential? And that's where we come up with these three keys. A key is used to open a door. What's the door that's being opened? It's the door of moving a church from being inward focused to simply, you know, caring for the sheep, uh, which is divinely mandated. It's not a bad thing to care for the sheep, but we're also called to catch fish. Jesus says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So what is it that makes that shift? Through our experience and our own lived reality and working with churches around the world, we discern these three keys. The first one is the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not doing anything unless we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, after the resurrection, stay in the city until you're clothed with power. Like, so often we we create pastoral plans in churches that have a reasonable chance of success if God doesn't actually show up. I mean, it, it, think about that. It's, it's horrendous. So uh, we need to have God's power or, or we're not doing anything. So that's the first key. The second key is the primacy of evangelization, which this is really living what our church teaches. I mean, Pope John Paul II said in 1984 that for churches, evangelization, bringing people to Jesus, making disciples, is to be primary, preeminent, and preferential. So is one thing to say that, how to actually do that in a parish, or how to actually slowly make it primary, uh, is, we could talk about that for a couple of weeks, but we don't have time. So primacy of evangelization, making the main thing the main thing, that is the main thing, and that is the making of disciples. It's ultimately linked to making disciples, forming disciples, equipping disciples, and sending disciples. That's why we get the term missionary disciples, but Pope Francis speaks about a lot. The third key is the best of leadership. And again, leadership is, is an enormous topic, which most, most of us, no matter what our Christian tradition, if you go to the seminary, you, you don't learn anything about leadership. And so we need to learn because past what we call pastoral conversion, basically changing our methods to adjust to the fact that we now live in a different world, a post-Christian world, that transformation doesn't just happen by itself, it needs to be led. And so we need to learn how to lead. And one of the essential points of the leadership part is that we work with pastors to help them not just lead a team, but lead out of a team, a kind of form of shared leadership that exists in the middle ground between leadership by committee, because it's not leadership by committee, that's a disaster. Uh, and it's not mere, mere consultation either, it's, it's shared leadership. And it, when it works, it's a beautiful thing. And so those are the three keys. When they work together and you you really intentional about it with time, because it does take time. You can't fast track church renewal to turning around a church. Uh, it in, makes an incredible difference and produces incredible fruit of your church becoming a place where people encounter Jesus, uh, are welcomed, uh, have their lives transformed, uh, find community, are equipped for ministry, and sent forth owning the mission uh, uh, of Jesus in this world. Father James, I met a guy in, uh, at the, the Alpha Conference in London a few years ago, Australian guy from a different church to my own, Catholic church, and uh, one of the people from Alpha introduced me to him and said, that guy there, he funds a fair chunk of the work of what happens in promoting Alpha in the Catholic church and resourcing Alpha in the Catholic church in Australia. And I was just going, who is this guy? And I just went up and met him. I was almost in tears. I've just gone, man, thank you so much. This is unbelievable. Why are you doing this? And he said, oh, well... We think we're big, but if the Catholic Church wakes up to evangelization, everything changes. From your perspective, what are some basic essentials in waking churches up to be effective in evangelization? I think like any kind of change in any organization, no matter the size, whether you're talking about a local church or a diocese or a regional church uh, or the church in a, in a nation, 
change happens gradually. That's what, that's almost like your, your starting principle is you're not going to wake everyone up. You're going to wake like a, a certain segment of people. Um, studies will say about 16%. And so I think the key is to, is to find those that have that hunger and the willingness to say yes, to start this journey and invest disproportionately in those people and to help them in turn in their own churches invest disproportionately in evangelization and leadership because that's what makes the difference. And in time, if we if we stay focused on working with these key people, they will begin to shift. The fruit will begin to speak for itself. And then uh, more people will become interested and it will happen organically. What happens in churches with attempts to bring pastoral change is the starting presumption is usually what sinks the whole plan because the starting presumption is, okay, everyone, we're all going to do this together. No, you're not. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It doesn't work that way. So I think the key thing is to find uh, those with the hunger, those with the willingness, those that have the calling in their lives to lead this kind of change and kind of go off the map and be the ones who are actually going to pioneer and, and create the maps for others to follow behind. I know in Divine Renovation, you guys are unashamedly saying that Alpha is a brilliant tool and you recommend it really highly. You don't mind if people are using something else, but why is it so vital to have something that wakes us up to the power of the charisma and bringing people to encounter with Christ? Well, you know, we've got these wonderful documents in, in, in the Catholic Church. I think of the document that was written when Pope Benedict was Pope by the Latin American bishops, and they said, without the charisma, people hearing the charisma and coming to conversion in the person of Jesus Christ, all of our other efforts are, they said, literally are condemned to sterility because hearts are not awakened to the Lord. I mean, this is, this is what Catholic bishops and popes are saying. In fact, they've been saying it for years, and we still, for the most part, don't change what we do. Uh, you know, we focus on the sacraments, and the, the sacraments are wonderful. They're gifts from the Lord, but if you're not evangelized, if you don't know the Lord in a personal way, if you not, haven't experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit and awakening of hunger for God's words, which in turn increases our hunger for, for the sacraments, it's not going to produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. So having a tool for evangelization is absolutely essential. I mean, yeah, we're called to go out and make disciples to reach the unchurched people on the outside, but for many of our churches, uh, there is a lot of people in the inside that need to be caught for the Lord, need to be awakened. And that was my own journey. I mean, I was a when I was a teenager, I, yeah, I was young, but I mean, I I believed in God, I believed in Jesus, I went to church, but I'd never encountered Jesus in that deep personal way and experienced the, you know, as it says in Romans 5, 5, the love of God being poured into our hearts. And I think there's a lot of people in our churches, not just Catholic churches, but other churches who have not experienced that. And when that starts to happen, it changes everything. So the question is, what, as a church, what do you have where that kind of experience happens? Or what do you have going on in your church that you could invite uh, a non-churchgoer to, a non, someone who doesn't have faith, or an atheist even, or someone who's spiritually hungry? Often, as Catholics, we celebrate the fact that we've got this incredibly rich tradition, which we do. It's beautiful, but it's like, you know, someone who's only got a deep end in the swimming pool and you invite your neighbors over and some of them can't swim, well, guess what? They, they're not getting in the pool. Like, so where's our shallow end? Where's the easy entry point? Most of our churches don't have it, and I think that's uh, out of obedience to Jesus, we've got to change that. Father James, we've got a lot of listeners to this podcast and this program from a variety of churches, not just the, the Catholic Church, who I know you've encouraged and extolled to renewal for mission. I suppose in that context, what, what have we learned from various denominations about waking ourselves up to make the main thing the main thing? I guess in a sense, what have we learned from, from these other churches who really want us to succeed? 
Well, first of all, I just want to say to all my brothers and sisters out there who are not from the, the Catholic tradition, thank you so much for your, your love and your, and your prayers. And, and I know that, as, as you often say, it's, it's a burden on many of your hearts to see the, the sleeping giant awaken. And for myself as a priest, you know, I've, I've just received so much, you know, the finding Alpha as a tool, of course, was through non-Catholic friends. And I've formed deep, deep friendships with people across the world who are connected in with kind of world of Alpha. And those friendships are lifelong. Uh, I've received so much. And out of using Alpha, because here's the thing, if you start evangelizing and the Holy Spirit starts moving in your church, it's going to become chaotic. It's going to, things are going to change and things are going to grow. And that forces you to grapple with leadership. And there's this is another, another whole area where, from a Catholic perspective, it, it's weak. We don't have much. And so I scrambled, even when I was a young priest, to find something on leadership. And I started reading books. And it was all books that came out of uh, people from non-Catholic backgrounds. And I learned so, so much. And so the learning is ongoing because... You know, for many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, and I know some of you don't even identify with the word Protestant. I know you're like, I'm not protesting anything. Uh, you know, but you come out of a revivalist tradition, right? You know, whether you actually do it or not, you know that evangelization and mission are in your DNA. You know that you're supposed to. You know that that's who you are. Whereas the struggle for, struggle for many Catholics is we don't even know that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, but it's in your DNA, and and you often have a beautiful theology. And you're, you're front runners in terms of best practices and learning things and, and constantly evaluating how are we doing and how is this culture changing, this very culture that we're called to lead. So thank you for taking the lead on this. And let's continue to discover, rediscover that we are, in fact, brothers and sisters. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And we are brothers and sisters. So thank you. Father James, one final question. Thanks for your time. To sum up, you've had a bit of time here in Australia with some amazing people supporting you and part of your team and, and giving talks and, and people from around Australia sharing their experiences too. What do you hope is the fruit that comes out of this conference for the, the church, in not just in Australia, but, but in Oceania? You know, whenever we do conferences, I always say to our team, you know, we can gather tonight and celebrate what happened, but we're not going to know what happened here if until four or five, six months from now, a year from now. Uh, I think of yesterday when we had a time of prayer calling on the Holy Spirit, and you could see that, that people were being touched. We heard today at Mass, but Bishop Michael Gillen talked about Jesus as, the, as the, card, the, the divine cardiologist who changes our hearts. We don't know what happened here. And I've met people over the years who said, you know, I was at this conference five years ago, the Lord touched my heart, and I've gone on to start this ministry and do this, and it's exploded. Like So a conference like this is like taking a handful of stones, throwing them into a still lake, and you see these ripples just go right across. And so I know that's going to happen. What it will lead to, our prayer, our hope, is that the fruit of this will be incredible churches popping up, not popping up, <laughs> they grew slowly growing uh, throughout Australia and New Zealand, and churches that are living the very the very values that we talk about so that they become churches that live out the Great Commission and that they become churches that inspire their neighboring churches because it's not like, you know, some church in a far-off land that's doing this. It's happening in our very backyard. That's the mission of Divine Renovation is that it's happening in your own context here. 
Thanks so much to Father James Mallon. We've really enjoyed and been grateful for the opportunity to, to interview you for the journey. And, uh, and thanks, Father James, for all of your encouragement for the Australian Church recently at the Divine Renovation Australasian Conference. Hopefully you've got lots and lots of tools that you can pick up on from that interview. And don't forget to check out the Divine Renovation Australasian website. And of course, a number of books now that have been written just providing tools and learnings and experiences in the in the journey that they've been on for parish renewal, particularly for that parish renewal, which is really focused on making missionary disciples who in turn reach out to those who are disconnected from faith and who as yet have not been drawn into the life of the church. Really grateful to Father James. 